0: the office I love how awkward and uncomfortable it is and um, you know the thing about any kind of relationship is if you're in one long enough you'll discover some dysfunction and uh, Adrian and I have been married for 13 years ish now and uh, we met the summer before grade 10 Uh, we met at the Birchwood Trails cabin just down the road here at a youth event put on by this church uh, so parents, if you're looking to get, uh, you know, good relationships going for your teenagers, make sure they're going into youth here at the church. Um, she fell in love with me right away, but guys, I played it so cool. Uh, I, uh, I I kind of strung her along for a little bit, and, you know, as a member of the A.V. Club and uh, being the theater buff that I was, you know, I, I kind of had an in, you know, with the ladies. It wasn't a problem for me, so... <laughs> <laughs> We started dating that year, and uh, we survived high school together, and then um, after high school we got married uh, on July 7th, uh, 2007, 07, 07, 07, that was kind of an accident. Um, and, but it was a less than a week of marital bliss before we had our big first blowout fight. Uh, we got married in Arkansas, which is where Adrian is from. And uh, it was awesome. Aside from the day before, uh, the church where we were supposed to get married uh, was destroyed by a falling tree. That's a story for another time. Um, But we got so many gifts down there, you guys, like mountains of gifts for our wedding. Uh, We got bread makers and an ironing board and a four-piece toast maker, toaster. You haven't lived until you've made four pieces of toast at a time. Um, The problem with all these gifts was there was no way for us to get them back to Fort McMurray they weren't going to get on the plane and so we decided that we were just going to take them back to the store and get cash back for them Um, and you know it's Arkansas so 99% of the gifts were from Walmart (laughs) and so we decided we'll take them back and get a return for them Um, here is where the fight started I wanted to take the gifts back at the reasonable hour of 2 in the afternoon, like a sane person. My wife wanted to take them back at 2 in the morning so nobody would see her, (laughs) like an insane person. There was no way that I was going to wake up in the middle of the night to go to Walmart. Who knows what Walmart is like at 2 in the morning? Well, I do. (laughs) because I lost that fight. (laughs) Since that very first fight, we have fought about a lot of stupid stuff. Um, Honestly, I can't even remember uh, half of it. What seems so important in those moments seems not to matter even a little bit in this one. Why do we do that? Why do we get offended so easily? Why do we try so hard to protect what's ours, even when it comes at the cost of some, of hurting someone else? Now, today is the last message in our dysfunctional series. And we started off by talking about how each one of us is dysfunctional in our own way, and how that dysfunction affects kind of all of the relationships in our lives. And that the best way to have a healthy relationship with someone else. is to have a healthy you. Uh, The next week we talked about toxic relationships, uh, about when to press in and solve them and when to walk away. We talked about the challenges of raising healthy kids uh, in today's smartphone world. And last week we talked about conflict and how to have healthy conflict between each other. And today we're gonna close off this series with hopefully A little bit of hope. We are dysfunctional, there is no doubt about it, but is there a way to overcome our dysfunction? Or at the very least, is there a way for us to learn to live with it? Is there a way to become functionally dysfunctional? Today, we're going to look at a story um, of some family dysfunction that prompted Jesus to say one of the most profound and important things I think that he ever said. Today's story is told to us by a guy named Matthew. Uh, He was one of the people who lived and served alongside Jesus, he had a front row seat to all of the miracles and all of the lessons and, and after Jesus died and was resurrected um, the small people, group of people that were following Jesus kind of exploded like crazy and there became tons of Jesus followers and so guys like Matthew realized that they need to document what had happened so that future generations could know about this Jesus guy so yeah The account we're going to talk about today, uh, it comes from the Bible, uh, but it is in there because Matthew was an eyewitness to the life of Jesus, and he wrote it down for us. To this day, Matthew's account and writings of the life of Jesus are one of the most thoroughly vetted and trustworthy ancient texts that there are. They are more scientifically trustworthy than documents talking about guys like Plato, or Socrates. So Matthew tells us this story. He says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons, her, her sons were James and John, thank you, um, her sons were James and John, and uh, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Now, when I was seven or eight years old, um, my mom used to send me to the corner store to get things like bread and milk. And one day um, I was caught by the attendant alone at the corner store putting a one penny candy into my mouth. I stole it. And they told me that I was not allowed to come back to the store anymore. So I went home and I told my mom what happened and she said, Well, did you? And I said, No, I didn't steal that candy. Obviously I lied. And being if you know my mom, you know she's not gonna let anybody talk bad about one of her kids. And so she drug me to the corner store and she yelled at that attendant and she said she didn't care what he saw that her precious, perfect little boy did not steal a candy. I did. She was a good mom. I was a bad kid. Matthew's story here starts off with this good mom. A mom who wants nothing but the best for her son. A mom who isn't scared to advocate on their behalf. A mom who will stop at nothing to see her sons succeed. But also, a mom who doesn't really understand what it is that she's asking for. this isn't part of today's message, but I, I, I want to share it anyways. This week I was sitting <clears throat> with Brune and Shauna and Adrian, three strong, confident, intelligent women who work here at Fort City, and I was asking them for their input on my message today, and I told them of this story I was talking about, about this meddling mother who is coming in uh, to, to, to meddle in her son's lives, and they all kind of paused... And kind of looked at each other, and then they looked at me with a look that just said, Lucas, you're an idiot. (laughs) This story is not a story about a meddling mother. This is a story about a mother who will stop at nothing to advocate for her boys. And and it's not the point of today's message. But I would encourage you to surround yourself with people like that. People who make you better, people who you trust, people who will challenge you when you let your privilege or ignorance get in the way of what you say or think. So that's an aside. So the mother of Zebedee's sons asks Jesus to give her boys this great honor. And Jesus says to her, you don't know what you're asking. And Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup I am going to drink? And Matt Manili this week reminded me that at this point in the story, uh, in history, the people following Jesus were following thinking that he would become an earthly king, that he would sit on an earthly throne, that he would uh, unseat the Romans uh, from the control they had, that that Jesus would become a king. And so when they're asking to sit at his left and right, they're not talking about an earthly throne, they're talking, or a heavenly throne, they're talking about an earthly one. They're asking for power and prominence. And so Jesus asks them this question, can you drink the cup? I'm going to drink, and James and John, these these losers, they peeked their head out from behind their mom, right? They were there this whole time. Oh, hey Jesus, we're here. We can, we can drink from your cup. This is embarrassing. These grown men just sent their mom in to ask this question of Jesus on their behalf. And you guys want to know something funny? Uh, Jesus actually ends up giving James and John uh, a nickname uh, and Jesus ends up calling these two brothers the sons of thunder it's true these guys were tough they could, they could work all night they could probably hold their own in a fist fight uh, they had a reputation but they still had to send in their mommy to ask Jesus this tough question And so Jesus asks them if they can handle it, and these sons of thunder step out from behind their mom, and they tell Jesus, yeah, yeah, we we can handle it. All things considered, I think Jesus' response to them is pretty gracious. Here, you guys can read it. I'm going to have a sip of tea. You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right hand My right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. See, James and John didn't understand it at the time, but Jesus was telling them that one day they would drink from his cup, that one day they would be persecuted for following Jesus, and that James would actually give his life for following Jesus. Now, I can't blame them for what they tried to do here. It seems only natural to want power, for us to make sure we have the upper hand, to be the ones in control, to be the most liked and respected. And, you know, it's kind of funny here at Fort City, we have this kind of internal uh, battle going on uh, between the members of the YWAM staff team and the Fort City staff team to become uh, Bruin's favorite. (laughs) Uh, Brune is our office admin here at Fort City, and so that means she pretty much runs this place. Um, you heard her. Dulcie thinks that she's Brune's favorite. Steph and Adrian think that she's Brune's favorite. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I get, they try so hard. Okay, guys. Um, I think the person that should be Brune's favorite uh, is the one who doesn't try so hard, the one who's just himself, you know, the one who doesn't care if he is the favorite or not you guys think I'm her favorite right Yeah, we'll see there's something about us there's something inside of each one of us, something deep we want to be at the top of the food chain, like the sons of thunder, we want to be successful, we want to be important, we are a bit selfish like that and, and to be honest, it's why so many marriages are in trouble It's why our kids rebel. It's why friends gossip about each other. It's why we hurt each other. It's because we put ourselves first. We put our needs, our wants, our futures before somebody else's. It's why when we get a little bit of information about somebody else, we use it to our own advantage. It's why when we get a little bit of power, we end up lording it over each other. It's just what comes naturally. But we can kind of see, it's not really working, is it? My kids are great, but for the life of me, I cannot get them to put the lid back on the toothpaste after they use it. Every day dried out toothpaste tube, too. And I'll say to Justice after he leaves the lid off, I'll say, dude, put the lid back on and then he'll look at me with all the confidence in the world and say well come did it too and then my dad mode kicks in i gotta say i don't care if he did it just because he did it doesn't mean it's okay for you to do it watch what happens now in this story that we're reading when the other disciples heard what these sons of thunder asked jesus for they were upset with probably not because they thought it was inappropriate to ask for power, more likely because they wished they had thought of it first. When the ten heard about this, this is the other disciples heard about what James and John had done, they were indignant with the two brothers. And Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. You know how it goes. The strong rule, the weak, the rich take advantage of the poor, the powerful use their power to hold others down. The winner goes before the loser. This is just how it goes. This is the natural way, the way of the world. And then Jesus looks them in the eye in a way that only he could do and says, not so with you. Not so with you. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I don't care if everyone else is doing it. I don't care if the whole world uh, rewards the strong and punishes the weak. I don't care if your little brother leaves the lid off of the toothpaste. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. That is how you and I become functionally dysfunctional. How you and I can truly begin to look and to love in the way that Jesus did. We fight our need be right in every argument and try instead to be loving we suppress our selfish desire to be first and instead put others before ourselves we give up trying to build our position and power and instead help those around us discover who they were created to be you know Jesus had all the power in the universe he was there when the foundations of the earth were laid. He was the one who laid out the rivers through the mountains and put the stars in the sky. And he, he saw our per, this perfect creation take a dangerous turn when we chose to sin and to turn away from him. And instead of snapping his fingers and, and, and hitting the reset button, he came down from the heavens and he set aside his power and prominence and he became one of us. He lived a good life he loved everyone around him he healed the sick and he fed the hungry and he loved the unlovable and he bent down and got eye to eye with the down and out And he washed our feet and then he walked up a hill of calvary carrying our sin on his shoulders and he emptied himself of all of his rights of all of his power And he died on a tree so that you and I could once again become God's good creation. And Jesus died the same way that he lived. In service to others. A suffering servant. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them. But not so with you. He told them who not to be and instead showed them who to become. So, here's the question. What does that actually mean? What does it look like in real life to be a servant to one another? After the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, the early church leaders devoted a ton of energy trying to answer that question. And I think they actually came up with some pretty good ideas. We have a list. We're going to read through them. Paul told us to honor one another. He told us to accept one another. We're told to bear with one another. I know you can imagine or think about a person right now that you struggle to bear with, to forgive one another. James, the brother of Jesus, uh, told us to pray for one another. We're to encourage one another, to warn one another, to stop gossiping about one another, to not be fake with one another, to carry one another. Luke tells us that loving each other looks like sharing each other's possessions. And finally, Paul tells us to submit to one another. This is the shift from self-serving to serving selflessly. It's not natural, it ain't easy, but I promise if you take steps in living this direction, I dare you, you will see something incredible happen in your life. In the summer, <clears throat> we took the boys to Galaxy Land at West Edmonton Mall. And uh, Camille loves the rides, he's not scared of anything, he'll go on all of them, and and after a couple of particularly spinny rides, uh, I could tell that he wasn't feeling so good. Um, He started slowing down, and after a few minutes, uh, right in the aisle we were walking, uh, after a few minutes he stopped, he bent over, and he emptied his little stomach onto the walkway. That's my family. We're that family at the West Edmonton Mall, Galaxy Land, and uh, he he felt pretty bad for a few minutes, and then he, he was sick, and then about five minutes later, he looked at me like a new man. Dad, I feel I feel better. Let's go on some more rides. Sometimes we have to do things that don't feel good, in order to feel better. It's not easy to serve one another. It's not super exciting to give up your power. It's not super fun to submit to one another. It isn't the greatest thing out there. But it's a hard thing that turns into a great thing. Because the reward doesn't come before we serve each other. It comes after forgiving is hard but once you've done it you discover you feel a little bit freer sharing and being generous comes at a real tangible cost but after you've blessed someone you may discover that you feel blessed yourself the world holds grudges but not so with you the world talks trash about each other but not so with you. The world hoards its time and its wealth, but not so with you. The world says me first, but not so with you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up now as we close and move into a time of communion. But I don't know if you guys can tell this about me or not, but I am a real big fan of this Jesus guy. Um, he had some, has some radical world-changing ideas. And he didn't just talk the talk, but he walked the walk. It was laid out, it was dark, and Jesus sat with his closest friends. His ideas had upset the people with the power. The people in charge were threatened by these radical ideas of Jesus. And Jesus knew that they were coming for him because of it. He knew that this would be his last night with his disciples and his closest friends, these men and women who he had been in the trenches with for years. He loved these people with everything that he had in him. And he sat with them knowing that these final words, this last night with them, these final words would have to be important. They had to matter. How do you summarize years and years of teaching In just a small moment. So he told them, My children, looking at his friends, James and John, Peter and the others there, My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. And where I am going, you cannot come. He probably caught them off guard. They were probably having a good night up until this moment. They wanted to follow him anywhere, he was their whole lives. But Jesus knew that after he was gone it was this small group that was going to take his message to the whole world. And so he made that message as simple as he possibly could. Something they couldn't screw up. Something they could never forget. You can't come with me but remember this. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another. Then he showed them what that meant. The one who holds the universe together, the one who is before all things, the creator himself gave his life for you and for me. He didn't use his position to his own advantage. He didn't use his power to save himself. Instead, he gave up all that he had for you and for me. So do you want to have healthy relationships with your spouse and with the people around you? Love them like Jesus loved you. Want your kids to become adults who grow up and still love their parents, still like their parents. Love them the way Jesus loved you want to have friendships and be worth part of a community that is worth being a part of. Love others like Jesus loved you. Serve. Put others first. Overcome that dysfunctional part of your soul, or your character. This is where the way it's always been done becomes a better way. This is where dysfunctional meets functional. And this is where you and I discover what it is that we were created for. It's each other. Let's take a second to pray. Jesus, I thank you for this moment that we get to share here together this Sunday morning. To gather in this room and to look at these stories of your life. To worship you together through music and through singing. Jesus, help us overcome our selfish desires. Help us not to live in the way that the world expects us to. Help us to set aside the the selfishness. Help us to set aside the me-first attitude. Help us to become a people who put others first, who build into each other first, who submit to each other first. Help this to become a place. Help each one of us To become a people that love each other. And not just some emotional, empty, platitudinal kind of love. But a love that fights. A love that sacrifices. A gritty, earnest, honest kind of love that holds each other up. Jesus, there's so many relationships there's, that are, are, are dysfunctional, that are broken, that are messed up. There's so many uh, situations that we find ourselves in that don't feel good, that we don't see a way out of, that it feels like there can't be any repair or redemption. Jesus, we ask in these moments that you would begin us down a path of healing. And where there is hurt in our lives, where we have hurt others or others have hurt us, that we would submit to each other in forgiveness. Jesus, I thank you for each person here and the families and the histories that are represented in this room. And I just praise, Jesus, that you would grab hold of our hearts and help us to become functionally dysfunctional. Praise in your holiest of names.